Amen. That's great singing. And uh, what lovely words, indeed. What a truth. That living, he loved me dying. He saved me buried. He carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, but that could be today. Could be today, are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? If he comes tonight, are you ready for that? Because you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. It's not just enough to say, are you ready? Because so many people think they are, but yet they know nothing of repentance. They know nothing, uh, indeed, of the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, calling upon him for salvation. I trust tonight that you can say that you, you are ready for his coming. And if not, that tonight that you will come put your trust in him. That's our prayer. And indeed, that's the, the great message of Christmas time. We were looking at that this morning. And indeed, I want to, to look at that again this evening as we turn to Luke chapter 2. Well-known story, uh, well-known verses in Luke chapter 2. And we want to read from uh, verse 6. And uh, as I say, we're really focusing in on the, the story here of the shepherds. And uh, we're mid-December, or early December. It's always hard to know um, as a preacher, when do you start to focus on Christmas? Obviously, we seek the Lord. And some years, I find, it's the beginning of December, some years a little bit later on. We are living in a society where Christmas is getting earlier. Um, maybe a day will come if the Lord doesn't soon return. You'll be looking at it in October time. Um, because some people seem to think Christmas starts about October. Um, but uh, I, I'm known as sort of bah humbug, so I am. And uh, you know what that means. Uh, I, I always say to my wife, don't worry about it until about the 23rd of December. That'll be time enough. But I've tried to get into it a little bit earlier this year. So far, so good. And um, so we are looking forward to a good Christmas. So we do wish you indeed a happy and a blessed Christmas. And uh, that you'll know the Lord's blessing, say, over this Christmas time. And indeed, uh, rejoice, as we looked at this morning, rejoice in the wonderful message of Christmas. Uh, what a great message we have to proclaim. Uh, and that's what we'll be looking at here again this evening. Thank you so much again for the, the warm words of welcome. Uh, to Ian and to Brian, and thank you to Brian and Heather for their, uh, for their hospitality today, and indeed for the fellowship together, and just reconnecting. Uh, I think one of the first times I ever preached in, in, in Seinfeld, I was at Brian's house uh, with Brian and Heather, and um, I don't know what it did that it took them probably the best part of 20 years uh, to have me back again, um, but hopefully it'll not be as long uh, the next time, but say, it's good to reconnect with so many. I was just thinking there as, as I was looking around, few churches that I actually come to or be in, I, that I look around and, and recognize many faces, and uh, certainly I feel at home amongst you here, and it's been really good to be back again. And uh, say, I do bring greetings from Tubermore, uh, although I was asked today, where is Tubermore? Where is Tubermore? We had friends from America um, about two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and um, they, they, they were staying with us for about five days. And uh, they had two sons, and uh, they're 13 and 9. And on the Thursday, they arrived in the Sunday, Sunday afternoon, but on the Thursday, I took them down into Belfast. We had done the causeway and done other places up north, and I uh, took them to Belfast on the Thursday. And coming out of Belfast, the father said to the 13-year-old, well, son, well uh, Silas, that's, um, that's your first European city you've ever been in. 
He says, no, it's not. My dad says, oh, it is. He says, no, it's not. He says, Tubbermore is. So if you haven't been to Tubbermore, you have missed uh, a great European city. Uh, so you have, it is northwest of Loch Ney. We're near Makara and, and Makarafelt. And uh, it is a place that we've been now for over five years. I used to actually think, and I've told them this, who would want to live up there? back end of nowhere, but actually it's very central. We're 35 minutes to Port Stewart, uh, 45 minutes to Belfast, 20 minutes to Cookstown, and um, uh, 40 minutes up to uh, beyond the maiden city and into County Donegal. So we are very central, uh, although I know that uh, people on this side of so going up Loch Ness, you don't go through Tubbermore, but it's worth a drive. It might only take you about five seconds, but anyway, uh, it's worth a drive. But the Lord's blessed there. Uh, Tuppermore Baptist uh, actually is one of the oldest Baptist churches in Ireland. Um, uh, it was formed in 1814. That uh, was officially formed in 1814 uh, by um, uh, Alexander Carson. Uh, and Alexander Carson was... was uh, or is a greatly respected preacher, scholar. Um, he has written a tremendous book on believers' baptism, one that is still much used and much sought for uh, in, in these days. And uh, say it was 1814, although it was 1807, really, he started a work, uh, uh, got it up and going, and then 1814. So it's, it's been around a long time, and indeed the, the Lord has blessed over the years, and indeed it's my privilege to pastor there. Uh, at this time. So we appreciate your prayers for us in Tubbermore. But anyway, this evening, say, we're looking at Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read from verse 6, and uh, no doubt it'll be read next week at your carol service and over the Christmas period, but we want to look at it this evening. I felt the Lord has really laid this on my heart to, uh, to preach here this evening. And so it was, verse 6, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away, from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known uh, abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. 
We know God will bless the, the public reading of his word to our hearts this evening. Whenever Neil Armstrong uh, set foot on the moon on July 20th, 1969, somebody from NASA said these words, we should change the calendar and mark our dates from this moment. Certainly it was a, a, a monumental day for mankind. He was quoted as saying also, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But he always maintained, apparently, that, or he always maintained that he said something slightly different as he said, one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. But a monumental day it was, but yet with no disrespect to the person from NASA who said that we should change the calendar and mark the dates from that event. One day, God set foot on this earth through the, through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the day that truly changed the history of mankind for good. Back in July 1969, um, in spite of what Brian was saying this morning, I wasn't living away back then, so I wasn't. And, um, but I've no doubt that, that in the days that followed this story, this story was taken into every country of the world via the media. Now, we need to remember in those days there was no internet or anything like that. There was no social media. It would have been done through television and radio and news networks and, and newspapers. And no doubt they would have been quick to spread the word of what happened that day and its relevance to the whole world. Now, I know it's a different matter entirely, but it's a sad day, isn't it? When people are more interested on trying to find life on the moon while they're happy to destroy life here on earth, even before a baby will see the light of day. When God stepped onto this earth through the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Bethlehem, what we see is that God couldn't keep quiet about it. That God couldn't keep quiet about it as it was most, it was most unique and it was most significant. I don't imagine that it was a story that made, if it existed at that time, you know, the Bethlehem Times or maybe the Middle East Observer newspapers, but it still didn't stop God getting the word out there of what happened in a manger in Bethlehem because the, the, the world needed to see that it's more important than any man or woman ever setting foot on the moon or Mars or Jupiter or Saturn or any planet like that. How God first went about it actually is recorded for us as we've read here this evening in Luke chapter 2 and verses, well, particularly verses 8 to 20. And it certainly was unconventional. And really, as we just look at this for a few moments this evening, I'll try and keep a better eye on the clock this evening uh, than we did this morning. But I want you to note, first of all, with me, the visitor to the shepherds. That's the first thing that we see is God sought to declare this great monumental moment to the world that it was through, first of all, the visitor to the shepherds. One father has said the following, and I quote, perhaps you would agree with the statement, a baby changes everything. He went on to say it's true. We have four children. We had been married six months when my wife became pregnant, and when her first child entered our lives, everything changed. Finances changed, schedules changed. Suddenly, we had a new responsibility that was very important. 
And there's no doubt about it that a baby changes everything, especially the first one. And it's true of the baby first born to Mary and Joseph, but who had been conceived of the Holy Ghost. What we can say tonight with absolute assurance is that, is that he was no ordinary baby. Because you see, not only was he to change uh, everything for Mary and Joseph, and perhaps change everything for, for, for their parents and, and, and the wider family circle, but he was to change everything for this world. If it was up to us who had the responsibility of telling the world of the birth of the baby who would change everything, not only say not only for Mary and Joseph, but for the entire world and for the history of the world, I wonder how we would have done it. One way we probably would have done it is maybe getting used to, to those who are well up in society, to those are, who, who maybe have contacts in society. But yet what is it we see as to how God did it? What God did was he, in fact, he went not to the high end of society, but he went to the lower end of society. That's what we read of here in verses 8 to 12, as, he, uh, as we see this with regards to the shepherds, says they were in the same country. Let's read it again. Shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. But when you go back to six and seven, verse 7, what is it you read there? You read of the birth of the Savior. But immediately then, who are the first people that are told? It's these lowly shepherds. Biding in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." That's one way of uh, really of announcing it differently. These lowly shepherds, here they were, they were doing their, their, their day-to-day job. When an angel of the Lord appeared to them with the glory of the Lord shining uh, all around them, it was something that they most likely had never seen before. And, and therefore, it's no wonder it says that they were sore afraid, as you read there at the end of verse 9. What we see is that fear overcame them. But what we see also is that the angel obviously saw this fear. What did the angel say to them? He said, fear not. But why were they not to fear? Well, it's because of those two great verses in 10 and 11. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Here's exactly why this baby this baby that we will celebrate over these next number of weeks, why this baby changed everything in the world. God spelled out exactly the very reason as to why Jesus Christ, the one that was born to the Virgin Mary, why he would change everything in this world. What you see here is that that that, that it was great joy. It was going to bring great joy to who? Well, it it was news for all people. Isn't that what the angel said? Fear not, for behold, I bring you uh, uh, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
And telling the news first to lowly shepherds, it was proof of this. He wasn't just for the high and the mighty of society. He wasn't born in a palace either because he was born here in this stable. He was born in that place that, that many people, especially the people who were in the upper end of society, wouldn't have even thought of going. And certainly the shepherds, they were regarded as a very low people. They were the low class of society. And yet, what is it God did? He revealed his truth to them, first of all. And is that not a wonderful message for us as we live in a world where there's so many people in today's world and they feel that, 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 that they're of no, uh, uh, no significance in today's world? Say, this is a message for everybody. It's not just, say, for the, those at the lower end of society. It is for the upper end as well. But sadly, the, whenever it comes to the upper end of society, sometimes it's actually harder, is it not, to reach them with the gospel because they think, well, I have everything. Why do I need Christ? And yet many of them, what happens is when they get to the end of life, what is it they realize? That even though they have been promoted through society and have got to the, the upper strata of society, that yet they were still empty. And thankfully, there are those that have trusted Christ, and whenever they trusted Him, they realized that they had the greatest treasure of all in knowing Him. What we see, it was great news because it was news for all people. It was great news as well because it is a Savior that was now born. As I said to the boys and girls this morning, no doubt in that, in that time, many people, if you'd, have, if you'd have been able to go to them and say to them, God's going to give a gift to this world, what would you like that gift to be? No doubt many people, they would have been saying, well, I would love that gift to be somebody, uh, perhaps who, who, who's going to make us all rich, uh, rich materially. Or, or somebody who's going to be a politician and, 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 and they're going to bring peace to, to, to the world and, 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 and it's going to, to last for, for, for many years. Praise God that it wasn't a politician or an economist or anything like that. It was a saviour. Because the saviour is what the world needed and tonight that's your greatest need if you're not saved. And I say that because for all of us here tonight who are saved, there was a day in our lives, thankfully, when we realized that it was a Savior we needed more than anything else. Perhaps there are those, well, I was saved when I was 14, so I hadn't got up and got out of school and got earning a wage or anything like that. But perhaps tonight there are people here, and, and maybe whenever you got up and you got out of school, and all, you, you, your, your story is that you, you went after the things of this world. That you went after all that, would, that they would give you that bigger bank account, that would give you all the things of this world, and you went after that and you pursued that. But tonight your testimony is that you realized that actually it, was, it, 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 it wasn't satisfying at all. Or maybe it was a, a life of immorality. Or maybe it was stardom that you went looking after it and I know you realized that actually that even when you get to the very top that there's still that emptiness. But oh, what a, what a joy it was when you realized that there's a Savior. Because you realize that you're a sinner. Your sin is separating you from God. Your sin is what you has you on the broad road that has taken you out into hell and into eternal torment. 
but you realize that there was one that could truly lift you from that road and set you on the road that will take you home to heaven, one that will bring you from darkness into light, one that will bring you from death uh, unto life, one indeed that would, would truly satisfy. And praise God that when he sent the Son, he sent the Savior. A Savior for many of us here tonight who we know personally, but is he your Savior tonight? Are you somebody and you have come and you have acknowledged that you're a sinner and that you were on the broad road, all you deserved, in fact, was hell? But you realize why he came into this world? Because when he was in the cradle, he was already knowing he was going to go to the cross to bear the punishment for our sins, to open the life gate that all may go in, and oh, tonight that you would come and that you would put your trust in him. See, this is why the Lord Jesus Christ is such great news, is the greatest news of all, says for all people, and he indeed is the Savior. And what we see thirdly is that this baby that it talks about here, he is the Messiah. He's Christ the Lord. Say the world longed for the coming of the Messiah. Many at that time actually thought it would be a warrior of some, of some shape or form that would, would help Israel as a nation and defeat all the other nations. But what is it uh, God sent? He sent the Savior, the Messiah, and one that we can know personally and one that you can know personally as well. And oh, tonight, that you would come and that you would realize that indeed that it's Him that is your greatest need, that it's not all the things of this world, because what? They're only for a season. I often think about Christmas and I was thinking about it a week or two ago with the boys and girls. And if you ask boys and girls, what is it they want for Christmas? And you, you'll get the, you'll, the Xbox, the PlayStation, the, uh, I don't know, the Barbie dolls or whatever it is or the girls are all into and, and, and different things like that. But then I asked them, who remembered what they got last year? There was a few hands went up. But then I said, well, who can remember what you got two years ago? There was hardly a hand went up. And yet if you went back two years ago and you said, what is it you want at Christmas? What is it you want most in your life? The reality is, is that even if they got it, many of them can't even remember tonight what they got. But you see, when you get Christ, you'll never forget. You'll never forget because he's the one that truly satisfies. He's the one that truly saves, and he is the one that is not just for Christmas. Isn't that what we hear they say about a, a, get a, a dog for Christmas? It's not just for Christmas. But Christ is not just for life, he's for eternity. And tonight he will save you if you come and put your trust in him. So we see here the visitor. I want you to see, secondly, the visitor's as we uh, continue to progress really through these verses. Look, I find this fascinating when you look at verses 13 and 14, whenever uh, we, we say we develop in the story. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a shepherd, sorry, what a sight for these shepherds to be, uh, these lowly shepherds really to behold. Now, we don't know what the night had been for them as they watched their sheep, but in a matter of moments, what is it they were watching? They were watching a multitude of the heavenly host praising God before their very eyes. This really was the first Christmas concert, wasn't it? 
Uh, we, we think of Christmas concerts and so forth and nativity plays. Well, this was the very first one that was provided by who? Provided by a multitude of angels who were rejoicing and who were praising God over the birth of the Savior for all the people of the world. Now, why do I find this most fascinating? Yes, we don't see shepherds like, like, like they did. But why I find it in, uh, most fascinating is that angels cannot experience God's so great salvation, and yet their immediate response to the message told to the shepherds is what? It's one of praise and worship unto God. They're the first to rejoice in this news. And, and what is it happens in heaven when one sinner trusts the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? What is it happened when many of us here tonight trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? Well, Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Isn't that a fascinating that these angels, they can never experience God's so great salvation. But yet when it was declared to the shepherds that, that a Savior had been born, they were the very first ones to rejoice. And they continue to rejoice whenever a sinner comes to the, comes to the Savior, repents. For many of us here tonight say, oh, we rejoiced, did we not? Whenever on that night or on that day or on that moment when we trusted Christ, oh, the, the, our hearts were filled with joy. And, uh, and no doubt whenever we told others, their hearts were filled with joy. But isn't it amazing to think that the very angels in heaven were rejoicing as well? Because I've no doubts that they could see what it meant for a person to be saved, for a person to be reconciled unto God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that indeed that they understood exactly why the Savior came, that he came to bring us from, from that broad road going out into hell and to bring us into that right relationship with God so that we stand justified before him just as if we have never sinned, that, 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 that we're in that state where we can stand accepted before God and God will not condemn us to a lost eternity in hell, but that he'll take us home to heaven when we breathe our last breath in this world. And you see, that tonight is what can happen if you put your trust in him. Oh, the angels will rejoice, but I am sure tonight you will rejoice because there's no greater joy in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So we have the visitor, we have the visitors. And then finally, I want you to notice here the visit by the shepherds, verses 15 to 20. Uh, and it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds, what did they do? They said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Not only were these lowly shepherds the first 
to hear of the Savior's birth, but they were the first to see the Savior because they immediately went to Bethlehem. What a sight they, they were to behold because, you see, in seeing Jesus, what is it they were doing? They were looking in the face of God because he's the God-man. He's God incarnate. And what was their response? Well, two very simple things. First of all, and this is a challenge to those of us who are saved tonight, it was one of witnessing. Their response was one of witnessing, verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. What a message to proclaim. I'm sure there was excitement. And ought we, or ought we not to be excited as well at Christmas time? I know at times we, uh, we, we can be known as you a bah humbug and all that there, but it's usually because we have to spend that much money. But surely we can be excited. Why? Because of the message of Christmas time. Now, I know that, uh, that there's no proof that December 25th was the actual date of it all, but, but yet it's a time of the year that's set aside to do, to do what? To celebrate the birth. And what a message we have to proclaim in these weeks. And especially when we live in a world where there's so much darkness and there's so much despondency, there's so much discouragement, there's so much depression, so many people living with no hope or no feeling of hope within their hearts. And what is it that we have to be able to go and to proclaim that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's our message and he's the only one that can bring hope to this world. And oh, that we would have the heart and the love and the, uh, the urgency to get out and to tell people and the opportunities that arise when people will, will say, well, I don't enjoy Christmas or I don't like Christmas for this reason. What an opportunity it is for us to step in and say, well, I enjoy Christmas. Why? Because the Savior came. And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he came to seek and to save you. And you can be saved and experience the greatest joy of all, a joy that even the very angels in heaven will be rejoicing over. Say, what an opportunity to be witnessing. But what we see also is that they're worshiping. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What a key statement that is, as it was told unto them. Guess what? It's now been told unto you. I'm sure you've heard these verses before, but you've heard them again tonight. You see what wonderful truth is contained within them. See the response of the shepherds. What is it? They came, they came seeking, but they went home rejoicing because they'd seen the Savior. They'd met the Savior. If you're not saved tonight, that's what can happen in your heart. Maybe tonight you've come here and you're thinking to yourself, why? When I come to church on a Sunday night, the rest of the world is out there running about doing everything else. Yet the reality is, is that many will go to bed tonight feeling empty, no joy in the heart, thinking tomorrow is Monday, another week of work, another week of hardship or whatever. But oh, wouldn't it be wonderful tonight that you go home and you're able to put your, pillow, your head on the pillow and rejoice. Why? Because you've trusted the Savior.
You've admitted that you're a sinner. You've realized that indeed that you're, you're lost. But that you've seen that there's one. And why he came into this world? Because he was going to go up onto the cross. Shed his most precious blood. Die upon that cross for you. And for me. And for all of the world. And at all who come to him. Put their trust in him. Confessing their sin. Calling upon him for salvation. That indeed that he is the one who gives them eternal life. What is it? Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. And we think of gifts don't we? So much at this time of the year. The gift of God is eternal life. So it's not just for a season. It's not just for Christmas. It's for the rest of your life. And it's for all of eternity. And there you'll be praising God then when you reach glory forever and ever. What I find most interesting about all this as well as we think of the shepherds. Really as we wrap this up. What is it the shepherds did for a living? They cared for the sheep, didn't they? They cared for the little lambs. What is it, whenever they were told to go to Bethlehem, what is it they were to, become to, be, uh, to, to come and behold? Wasn't it the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? John 1.29, what a most precious verse that is, where it says, Behold the Lamb of God. There were these shepherds, no doubt. They were so used to looking out in their fields and seeing the lambs and all these newborn lambs jumping about. But yet, whenever Jesus Christ was born, God said to them, Go see the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Oh, tonight, do you see who he is? Do you see what he can do in your life? And see, tonight... You put your trust in him. You'll receive the greatest gift of all as you receive that gift of eternal life. May tonight be the night you do so. Don't put it off. Behold, uh, uh, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The reality is tonight is that there are people in this world they will not put their head on the pillow. Why? Because they'll be taken out into the great eternity. And all oh, tonight, if it was you, would you be ready? Ready to go to heaven, to be with God, and be in his presence forevermore. May tonight you take that step, you put your trust in him if you haven't, and you do it before it would ever be too late in your life. We're going to sing... 267 as our closing hymn will be on the screen and indeed it asks that question have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the lamb you may be thinking what a strange statement that is the blood of the lamb well the blood of the lamb is that blood which the lamb of God shed upon the cross is coming by faith and because you see 1 John 1 tells us that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin uh, it's not good works. It's, it's, it's not good living. It's not church attendance. It's, it's not being a good neighbor or being a good employee or anything like that that cleanses us from all sin. It's the, it's the, it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, 
And that's why tonight we sing these words, Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's stand, let's sing, and let's think about it as we sing it through. Thank you.